Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into the drive here on 93 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever here. The phone lines, they are open. 8150-939-3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. If you want to, hit us up. That way you are welcome uh, to do so as well. Uh, yesterday was the second signing day in the college football calendar. Uh, relatively uneventful uh, for, uh, for most schools. They get 90% of their work done on uh, the, the early signing day, for sure. But uh, Louisville added two players yesterday, officially. One we knew about with Crocker, the offensive lineman from Tennessee, who had been uh, previously committed to Mississippi State. Uh, but then late in the evening, uh, after a little bit of a delay on YouTube, uh, got <laughs> a commitment from Woo Spencer. And I talked about my reticence to use Woo, uh, but I feel like I have to here. So I'm going to say it. Do we they have a Ric Flair woo on the uh, like on the soundboard that we can play? I don't think so. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I don't YouTube. There you go. It works. It works. Uh, but they, they were able to win a, a battle that it sounded like, by all accounts, uh, was one of, if not the, the first real suspenseful, intentional, acknowledged Jeff Brom and Louisville Mark Stoops in Kentucky going after someone, especially in-state and around here. I know he's in Indiana, but he's, he's a local kid. Uh, and Louisville Louisville got him, and it's for a, a lineman. And we'll see if he ends up on offense or uh, or defense. It seems like they're open to both. But this, is a, this, uh, this has to be incredibly encouraging to see it already – like to sort of see it already – play out the way you were hoping for like this is what you were aiming at and bringing Jeff Brahman here when Scott Satterfield left and you get it in the first recruiting class yeah I think it is and honestly Wu was someone who I think I talked to Wu last summer like because he had made the move from Mail to New Albany and at that time I was getting the sense that he was going to go to Kentucky um, I really don't think Louisville was very strong in the picture in, in that scenario. Uh, so to see them make up that ground and get back into it and eventually get the commit is a good sign. And I, you know, it's this the, the battle I, I think with a school like Louisville is 
you want to make sure you have a good amount of local talent. No question about it. Do I think it should be the main focus of your recruiting strategy? No, I think you have to have a national presence now to be able to get high-end talent and get a few of those guys, and they've done that over the past couple of years. But the one thing you definitely want to ensure is that if there is a very good player here who or someone who has the potential to be a very good player, then one of the first options that you want coming to their mind as like a given is I need to look at Louisville or I need to have a conversation about Louisville. And I think that's where the the problem has come in in recent years for Louisville fans is that they feel like for some kids who have gotten away that they weren't even like a consideration or in the conversation, if that makes sense. Oh, Spencer, we'll uh, we'll hold off on that, but I appreciate that uh, though. Yeah, look, I I think that uh, it's it's a big win for Jeff. It's a big win uh, for for morale. Uh, and look, I think unfortunately, you know, for for Kenny, it's it is kind of that that contrast of. Uh, what you were expecting and what you have been led to, you know, to be encouraged about. I'm not saying this as, as criticism of Kenny, because we've already done all of that, but it is the flip side of that is it's very exciting to watch them go out there and start immediately bringing everything that you thought they would bring with them right away. And Oh, by the way, it gave, it ended up helping Louisville have a really nice recruiting class and this is with transition. Uh, I, I would, I think that you've got a real chance for Louisville to be hovering in, in and around, maybe perhaps a little bit better. These recruiting waters going forward, which is exactly why you hired Jeff Brom in the first place. Yeah, they're in a much better standing locally now. When you look at the walk-on options they've brought on, the the guys they have gotten in between Micah Carter and, and Wu Spencer and Sadiq Clements. Uh, who not really local to Louisville itself, but in the state of Kentucky. And, and that's very encouraging. But you were still able to keep the California pipeline on lockdown. And also, Jeff has spoken to the significance of keeping that South Florida pipeline going because that is, that's not even just a recent thing. That That's something Louisville football has always been able to do. Yeah. They've gotten some of the best players in program history from that area. Yep. So it's extremely important to – you have two uh, hotbeds, if you will, that you have a solid foot in now. Get the local part shored up. And, and obviously, you're always scouting out other hotbeds that you can get a foot in. But that's a pretty good base to start at here when, you, when you're going to build this thing and take it to the point where Jeff has a bigger vision for it. So, no, I, I think they're in a, a very beneficial spot right now in terms of recruiting. All right, let's get uh, to the phones here. Let's get uh, Damien. Damien, welcome into the drive on Thunderbolt. What's up, bud? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I echo everything Tyler said. I think that it's a massive get to get Wu Spencer especially considering that it looked like he was going to UK. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say this real quick. I think that, that uh, we got to also kind of tip our cap to Scotty, uh, Scott Satterfield. I just want to say the reason why is that I think that he's left the program in a much better foundation than when he left it, that Jeff could come in and hit the ground running and that he didn't have to go out here and get 
you know, plug in holes for different positions and stuff because a lot of the foundation had already been led uh, or laid down, excuse me, uh, by Scott. So I just wanted to just kind of, even though I don't particularly care for him, just want to tip my cap to Scotty for that. And uh, real quick, I just want to say this. Uh, this is a message from Scribble. Woo! How about those cars? Landon Spencer. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate it. Yeah, it felt. Uh, thanks for the call, Damien. It felt uh, almost surreal for for Strebel and uh, Zach Soskin to be uh, tweeting back and forth at one another. Yeah, that was uh, something. Last night it was a little odd uh, to to watch that happen, but I did not understand Strebel's chestiness yesterday. Uh, with when it comes to uh, to recruiting, I'm looking at 24/7's uh, rankings now, even after yesterday. 35 and 31. That's where the two recruiting classes are. If I was you, I'd be worried about the fact that I got uh, out-recruited by Mississippi State and South Carolina. Yeah, I think it. You know, you know where I'm going to stand on this. I, I'm not really like. I don't get too worked up about stuff like this, and and really, Louisville and Kentucky as as football programs when they're both on, I think are a little similar in some ways. But Louisville, when it has been on, has reached stages that Kentucky has not quite gotten to in terms of the uh you know some of the pcs bowls of the past and mm-hmm. and the stars and such but right now i think when but when both programs just i mean hell coming off of last season they're they're not terribly different besides the fact that kentucky has really beaten the crap out of louisville in this rivalry the past couple of years so the, the bragging rights absolutely are staying on that side until it gets figured out on the field from the louisville point of view and you know, knowing Jeff and his history and his focus, I would think that's going to be a pretty big point of emphasis this season. Yeah, I also, uh, j- j- really quickly to respond to the other thing, the other part of what uh, Damien had to say there. You know, Scott, I think, left the program morale in a better place. Uh, I think he left better prepared kids than he came into, but he did leave some pretty substantial holes in the roster uh, at wide receiver, at quarterback, uh, it's like there were there were some areas where he was going to have to do some pretty dramatic things for the roster to be closer to balance this year too. So, partly true, partly I, I think uh, I dis- disagree with part of that. But regardless, Jeff Brom has done a very nice job addressing wide receiver, addressing offensive line and defensive line, addressing the defensive backfield and really we're looking at inside linebacker I think is really the only place where I think there's truly concern about who's going to be there uh for them for for next year let's get uh Jeff in here next Jeff welcome into the drop down what's up hey good afternoon glad to hear you guys talking about uh the recruiting aspect and stuff want to keep a little bit about the guy tipping his hat to freaking Scott I hate that guy not the caller but the coach Anyway, the, um, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm pleased to see local guys and the interest from the local guys and the involvement of the coaching staff in the local programs, uh, and then you know, just even with some other, you know, local stuff going on with the with the different leagues and stuff that are out there, and the coaches going out and taking a look at stuff. You know, it's it's night and day difference. I mean, you recruit the local kids, you keep the local kids to stay, you do everything you can because local kids, local fans, you know, that's that's what it's about. I mean, you get kids that are fans of the University of Louisville and you get them to go to the University of Louisville. You don't get kids that are fans of the University of Louisville that's their dream school and don't even talk to them ever one time, and then they end up going to, 
you know, Purdue or IU or Kentucky or something like that because, you know, Louisville couldn't be bothered to walk across the street and talk to them. But, uh, you know, I, I'm thoroughly impressed with the stuff that Jeff Staff is doing at this point. Uh, you know, just getting out there in the coaching community, so to speak, and visiting the different high schools and doing stuff. You know, Satterfield talked about it a little bit, but they didn't ever really do it. And, you know, it was just kind of one of those deals where, you know, it's, it's a little crazy. I mean, yeah, we, we got some good recruits and stuff, but you will never convince me otherwise that, you know, we had one recruit that did most of the recruiting for a coaching staff last year. You know, it just – it, it, it was a fluky thing, you know. I guess Scott's got to get some of the credit for that, but you know, just go look and see how well he's doing up there with his recruiting in Cincinnati. He's pretty going to stink up there like he did here at the beginning of the year. Anyway, but uh, you know, I'm looking forward to everything that's coming, and you know, looking forward to seeing more local kids because that's where, you know, you got a local guy, local coach, you know, kids that played here is your coach now. He can he can talk to people the way that nobody else can. He knows the area. He knows what it's about. He knows what the program's about. And he's not just blowing smoke at you trying to build his reputation up to, you know, take the next job, which unfortunately I think we've kind of been burned on over the last 15 years. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, th- th- nothing but improvement is going to come. And, you know, I'm excited to see it. And I just, you know, I, I know that Brom's family and the, and the coaches there are just going to be successful and they will win all of their recruiting battles with our in-state rivals. So, uh, trust me, he hates Kentucky as much as I do. But, you know, we'll get this, uh, this thing going. So I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, weird to see the signing day is a late signing day now, but, you know, hey. I was happy about the, the kid from Indiana coming over here. So, good show. Talk to you guys soon. Appreciate it uh, there, Jeff. Yeah, look, I, I think it's uh, Tyler shaping up to be uh, a very long off season. You know, the people I yeah. think uh, I, I never want to wish my warm weather away in particular, uh, but I can understand people really wanting to hurry up and get to football, especially, you know, on the heels of, of how basketball is going uh, this year. Maybe the men, uh, maybe the baseball team will give us something uh, in terms of a, yeah, a late summer good. run yep. to help. Yeah, they were preseason uh, number five, I think, today uh, in, in one of these uh, myriad, you know, preseason rankings or, and such. But, you know, a, I think the excitement is going to be off the charts. And I think, you know, Kentucky getting a four-star kid that was that was a Purdue commit uh, and Louisville beating them for Wu Spencer, like maybe there is a chance, a real chance for the rivalry to breach – a new quality level because I, yeah. I I I don't think Kentucky is is going anywhere. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to to return uh, to just the the absurd kind of abysmal, hilariously ridiculously bad program that they were before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Stoops is, has gotten them somewhere, and as long as he stays there, uh, they're gonna they are gonna stay around here. We'll see what happens if. You know, when there's no divisions and things like that, if it makes a little bit of a difference. But that rivalry has has typically had these big swings years years long at a time where one school sort of has it absolutely nailed down and the other is a disaster. Uh, and, and it really hasn't been a game that has been compelling to people outside of the rivalry all that often. And I, I think, you know, I go out of my way to watch a lot of the big – big games because it's interesting and I enjoy that sort of thing but also there's some real quality play that's kind of the last step for this thing is for people yeah. to be like oh th- that should be a pretty good game 
Yeah, it's interesting because one of the, the first rivalry I really covered was Ole Miss-Mississippi State, and the Egg Bowl is really unique. Like, I never knew how much those two really hated each other until I lived there, and there's always yes. weird stuff that happens every single year between those two. And I think in a weird way, a rivalry like that has like become more nationally relevant like people watch it expecting some sort of weird crazy stuff to happen now at least from like a college football fan standpoint because honestly there's a very small group of rivalries that will forever be nationally relevant that everybody's going to watch your your Michigan Ohio states right. Auburn Alabama uh Army Navy games like that like the, the everybody gets that attention so if you're the other ones there's so many different factors. Like Mississippi, Ole Miss and Mississippi State had a point where you remember when the you know they were in the top four, the first one, and, and ever it was like it was crazy what was going on. But typically speaking, the relevancy of a rivalry like that was just in-state bragging rights. They're usually like mediocre to bottom-dwelling SEC teams, a majority of the time. So now with Louisville and Kentucky, what you would want for the health of the rivalry, and I think it is overall healthy when both are good, is that they make a stride from just being, okay, eight wins, fine, you go to insert random bowl here, and the the end of the year is important for in-state bragging rights, too. Okay, this is an expanded playoff field now. Yeah. Are we looking at two programs who, they aren't the big dogs of college football. They have really... In their big years, they're pretty dang good. And can they push that to another level in being consistently in like a we're challenging for a playoff spot conversation? That's where I think it gets pretty intriguing with those two. I cannot wait uh, for this, you know, edition of it. Uh, and I did think it was interesting that, you know, Vince Merrow has been. Uh, and I think maybe made kind of a funny joke this morning, but it's true that like we don't even think about Stoops as the recruiter. It's like all Vince Marrow. It's really funny. Uh, but you know, Vince Marrow has has never missed an opportunity to be petty about missing no, out on on a recruit. We're talking about a guy who walked outside of his own daughter's wedding reception to tweet something about not getting a recruit, if you'll recall that. And then just the other day, very very obviously was talking about Jim Harbaugh. And, in Michigan, in in expressing some sort of frustration about not getting a a recruit, we got nothing yesterday. Nothing from any of them, from the the most pacifist, aggressivist bunch of tweeters about all sorts of things. Uh, got nothing yesterday uh, about that one. I wonder if there's a different a different approach that's going to come from that side now that uh, this is not. Uh, kind of dorky Scott Satterfield over here. I was about to say, I, I don't mean to project a feeling onto something here, but more of an observation of what the recruiting battle was like between Kentucky and Louisville under Scott. It, I don't know. I, I can't put this in a delicate way. I really can't. But when you say dorky Scott, did, did it not get like a, there was a like a bully feel to it that like, Kentucky didn't take him seriously. Oh, that's true. As a threat. Yeah. On the field and in recruiting, honestly. I I, I can't evaluate it any other way because, A, the results spoke for themselves. 
on the field and on the recruiting trail. But the way the things you're talking about in terms of those those messages from Vince and some of the stuff they say, I mean, that that lends credence to it. And I, I believe Mark Stoops has spoken to this publicly, and Vince has too, in, in pieces about, you know, Vince is very is good friends with Jeff. Mark's aware of Jeff. And I think there is a heightened sense of like, all right, this is not going to be a gimme anymore in Louisville. Uh, and Marrow, I think, did tweet something yesterday. Someone just pointed yeah, out. Yeah, but not, but good, not, the, not, the, not like, what we normally see. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, good luck, yo, man. Like, yeah, uh, it's conciliatory, like right? Yeah, but that is, that is something that is noticeably different. I think everybody is now aware of like, all right, this might actually be more of a fight now than it used to be. And and I think that's, you know, we say that's that's good for, well, I think it's I think it's good for everybody. First of all, going real wide here it's good for the kids here to have two power five options that have become legit options yeah and battling each other for your services it's good for them and it's for the exposure for the opportunity for uh what you'll be able to get out of it so it's a very this has the potential to to become i know this is a basketball state and and i mean frankly i think it always will be a basketball state for various reasons but the football side of things has a lot more momentum and intrigue in my view than basketball does right now when it comes to both schools it's yeah i I think you're i think you're absolutely right and it's it is a weird weird time to be talking about and thinking about the rivalry where I think that there's there's more confidence in the football coaches than the basketball coaches and I don't know that there's ever been a time that that's true yeah yeah no I I don't have the backing that you guys do with it but I, I didn't come to here expecting football conversations to hell be People want that more than basketball conversations right now. It's it's weird as a whole, but no, you're the weight part of it. You're absolutely right. I, I think 100 the especially with the schedule coming out the other day for Louisville, uh, and you look at the early portion of it. Really, the whole thing is not. I think it's much softer just looking at it now than it was last year. Like you don't see a big stretch. I think it'll be a tougher stretch when they have NC State, Notre Dame, and Pitt, and they go to NC State and they go to Pitt, uh, and obviously have Notre Dame at home, which that'll be a cool atmosphere. Uh, but man, the first four games, it's just from a surface level, you got to feel pretty good about it. I mean, Georgia Tech in Atlanta, Murray State at home, Indiana and Indy and Boston College at home, like that's you you could probably reasonably expect and I don't know how much weight this holds on February 2nd is a long way to go but you could reasonably expect 4-0 or something like that I did want to quickly mention we have several persistent uh, texters and uh, who uh, perpetually uh, calling for, for notes uh, and maybe an homage to the Brain Brown home account uh, or something but uh, Nate Oates, according to John Rothstein, and, and now some others, set to sign a very large contract extension uh, with with Alabama. Uh, so probably not someone that's going to be out there on the market anytime soon. So they're worth uh, an update on that. And maybe we will get uh, to places like that 
on the uh, if Alabama can get really, really good at basketball, we can certainly have some quality football here, don't you think? I would hope so. Yeah, I don't think anybody in their right mind thought, yeah, Alabama's going to give a guy a big, big, luscious contract to coach hoops. That's a vast departure from, I mean, really, I think it's a signal, too, of how the rest of the SEC has improved in relevance to Kentucky as well in terms of the quality of coaches that they've brought in and now trying to make a long-term investment in that to where now you can't just say, oh, yeah, don't worry, Kentucky will get back to, to dominating this conference. I think Kentucky can get back to being very good, but I don't. Uh, the, the state of the league right now does not suggest to me Oh yeah, they can just get back to running things in there. Like they're gonna have to fight others off for it. All right, let's go ahead and take a uh, quick break here. We will come back and we will be joined by our guy Fat Jack on the other side here on the drive on that Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, Come on, muscle through it. But then also say, Hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever, and we are pleased to be joined by our guy, Fat Jack, FatJackSports.com. He has been killing it uh, all year. We're happy to have him back here, Jack. Let's, let's start with our, our checkup here. How did we, we do last week with the championship games? Where were you? How did you perform there? Yeah, it's all posted under the results tab at FatJackSports.com. But, I mean, another really, really strong week. We were 2-1 and one with the uh, plays. We had one selection. It was Philadelphia. Had two opinions. Had over the Philly game that was a loser. And we had under in the Kansas City game that was a winner. Uh, but besides that, we had 10 prop bets that I sent out to everybody, and we went 8-2 and two on the prop bets. So eight of those won, only two lost. Uh, and most importantly for myself and all my clients that's, that signed up before the season, we have a $2,000 at 25-1 to 1 ticket on Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl. So 2000 win 50000 is still in play. And for all extent purposes, has already crossed the finish line because at this point we can hedge – with the underdog for fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, and guarantee guarantee yourself a twenty thousand dollar hit. So, a uh, really really strong year, really really good start to twenty twenty three. Basketball four and zero last Saturday, one and zero on Sunday. We're on a seventeen and six run hoop. So everybody's happy except the ones that either didn't sign up or the ones that signed up and didn't take my advice back in August when I sent out uh, the Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl. So, uh, FatJackSports.com if you don't want to be irritated this time next year. Uh, Jack, the the Super Bowl invites all manner uh, of n- gambling novices uh, to flaunt their ignorance uh, and lose their money. 
What do you, what would you say is maybe the biggest mistake you see people who only do their gambling next Sunday, uh, the, the biggest mistake or two that people make? Yeah, most of them make the same mistakes. And by the way, the, the biggest irritant about it is that they all go to Las Vegas. And with only one game going, everybody's Kenny Rogers. They all have very strong opinions <laughs> on who's going to win. They all have decided they know everything there is to know about it. I mean, because a, nor- a normal week, it's diluted. So you'll have somebody who walks up and says, hey, I really love Alabama this week. And everybody says, who cares? You know, I don't even like that game. But this week, everybody has an opinion on one game. And the other big – so I would, I would tell people don't bet above your means. If you're not sitting around with a 50K or even a, anything at 25-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, don't go crazy. Just because it's the last game of the year doesn't mean it's the best betting game of the year. And so don't bet above your means. That's number one. Under, number two, these are the D2 best teams in the NFL. They're both the teams with the buys. The system worked perfectly this year for the NFL. So don't think there's a lot of difference in these two teams no matter what, you, what information you've grabbed onto. And probably most importantly this week is there's going to be five or six different pages of prop bets that come out. The general public eats these things up. And the prop bets are some of the easiest ways to make money. But the difference in what the general public will do and what I'm going to do and guys that know what they're doing do is that we're okay betting a lot of money to win a little money. And the general public immediately gravitates toward betting a little money to win a lot of money. So like the lottery or a parlay or just guessing, uh, they're going to find those type of things. Most of the time, those are a way to not only eat away at whatever good decision you might have made within the game, but did, did you go from a positive to a negative overall game day experience because you've got $300 of your 500 on bets that are literally rarely, if ever, going to hit. You, you spent $50 on who's going to score the first touchdown because everybody's at 25 to 1. Or predict the exact final score of the game. Those type of things that produce a, uh, they're a lot of fun. They're great stories, but they're good ways for the average player to, to ensure himself a losing Sunday. Jack, I find this matchup extremely intriguing for a number of reasons, but it's very interesting that we're talking about two great quarterbacks this year who they didn't show you anything, I think, in the conference championship games to really be terribly concerned about their injuries. But I, I still think it's something that not everybody is is terribly clear on how serious they are, whether it's the shoulder with Jalen Hurts or, or Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Do either one of those concern you more than the other to impact how you would approach betting this game or, or what you think about it? Yeah, honestly, you have you have to if you dig too deep into how injured these two guys are, it's going to drive you crazy because you're never going to know are they 80 percent, are they 85, are they 75 somewhere in there. So you just generally speaking say, all right, is Patrick Mahomes' ankle good enough to go? If he gets hit, what's he going to go back to? So with two weeks to prepare, it's normally a four to six week recovery if it's a true high ankle sprain. So he's going to have two weeks to treatment, all of that. We saw what he's able to do in one week. So I think he's probably 80%, 85%, which, so you know what you're going to get with him. You're not going to get as much scrambling, as good a scrambler, but, but you're going to get a proficient player. The other side, Philadelphia's had the easiest path in the playoffs to the Super Bowl since any team since the 1991 Washington Redskins. So uh, they played no quarterback when they played San Francisco, and they played a Giants team that was a pretender uh, as far as being on that level. So to answer your question, they're both, neither are going to be 100%, but I will tell you there's positions up and down the field that aren't going to be 100% either. I would be more concerned if I was a, Philly, a Philadelphia Eagles fan about the easy path they've had not only in the playoffs, but how easy it's been to get there. Their overall strength of schedule is very, very low, 
versus the Chiefs are kind of middle of the pack. They're 14, 13th or 14th overall strength of schedule to get to this game, much higher than Philadelphia. The other problem I would have if I like Philadelphia is that when they have played good offenses, they have given up a ton of points for the most part. I mean, you think about their division and even in their conference, what are the best offenses they play? There aren't a lot of great ones. They play Green Bay, they play Dallas, they play Detroit. They gave up 33, 40, and 35 to those three teams. The two kind of outliers in the top-ranked offense that played Minnesota only gave up seven, Jacksonville gave up 21. But this, this team is, this is by far the best offense they've seen all year. It's not even close. That's Kansas City's number one offense in the league. So I'd be concerned about that if I was a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And on the opposite side of that, I would be concerned if I was a Chiefs fan, A, about Mahomes' ankle, and B, about the fact that you're getting the number two-ranked defense of the league and the best front four in the yeah. entire league that will be able to get pressure most likely not having to blitz. So with a guy on, a, on one and a half legs, that would worry me or concern me a little bit. Uh, we're talking with our guy, Fat Jack, FatJackSports.com. Uh, Jack, given you know, injury issues and, to some prominent guys uh, and the questions, like the very things you're talking about, is there any gambling value in trying to get any kind of wager in now or or is it just straight up foolishness to kind of wait to do this and without maybe more certainty at various places on on both rosters yeah i think you're going to get nothing obviously you're going to get nothing but better news on both teams injury from an injury perspective um the the value was if you like philly to bet them when they were two and a half point underdog when this game first opened um and they didn't open i don't know it's a head scratcher to this day most of the look ahead lines by most of the major sports books in the country all had philadelphia being a point to two point favorite over kansas city if they both came out yet when circa and a couple other of them opened up they had kansas city as a two and a half point uh, favorite and then the, the sharps immediately came and pounded philadelphia to make it jump the fence now they're pretty steady as a one and a half point underdog or one and a half point favorite over kansas city so, no, I don't think there's a lot of value in, in betting now, especially when you talk about props. Um, I, I think the general information you have as far as both teams health-wise and then otherwise, you've got it now. So I would tell people when you're betting props, find one piece of information that you believe is going to happen and then drill down and bet through two or three different wagers based on that information. For instance, if you think the game is going to go under the total, because you've got the best defense, second best defense in the league in Philadelphia, and you think that Mahomes is a little banged up, the receiving core is banged up, then you would want to go ahead and play over and feel you, you admit to yourself that they're going to get yards between the 20s, but they're going to have trouble converting in the red zone most likely. That's what takes these games this time of year under our lack of execution in the red zone. Well, that's going to send field goal attempts over, made field goals over, longest field goals over. Those type of things um, will keep totals down. So if you like over, you're into the opposite of that. Bet fewer field goals because you think most of the most of the uh, drives will end in touchdowns or more, more times than not. So pick one piece of information and then drill down, try to make money three or four different ways based on that information. Uh, I know we're giving serious advice for serious bettors, but the Super Bowl also brings some absolutely hilarious bets prop-wise. Do you have a personal favorite, Jack, that you like to – to dabble in or have some fun with, whether it's the the anthem or anything like the halftime show, anything like that. I bet it all because I'm. I guess I'm a little bit of a degenerate this time of year. It's a celebration <laughs> of the football season, and when you've got 50k coming or at least 20k coming, either way for a bet you made in August, I'm okay spending some of that back. I've, I'm over like five on the last five national anthems. I've been pretty good on the coin toss, um, but these are obviously just 
ridiculous throwaway bets. Um, the one that has a little bit of merit to it, it didn't hit last year, and we may have talked about this, but the opening kickoff to not be a touchback, you're going to get plus money on that, especially with these two kickers. People, very few people know this, but the opening kickoff is kicked with a commemorative ball that immediately after kickoff is taken off the field and taken to the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And so it's a heavier ball than the football that they'll actually play with. And so even indoors, a lot of times during the Super Bowl, that initial opening kickoff is not kicked out of the end zone because the ball is heavier, it's a little more plasticky than the normal game ball. That's, and most people don't know that, but that is a fact. So I, I always dabble with the, because it's plus money, it's normally 220 or 240 to not be a, a touchback. So it's a little bit of inside information most people don't know. They're going to bet the touchback, which most people are. You're getting some value with people not knowing the fact that they do have a different type ball that is just used for that initial kickoff. Okay, since you said I might be a little bit of a degenerate, and we're talking about gambling and the fact that the Super Bowl is going to give you some prop bets and give you the chance to bet on things that you would otherwise not bet on or have a chance to bet on, what's the degeneratest bet you've ever made? Tell me something you bet on that you're like, wow, what was going on there? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've, I've so many horrible things. I mean, nothing to do with football. I mean, I have nothing to do with football. And they, well, sure. I, mean, I don't. I, I don't want to go there. But I'm just telling. you, okay. I've been on some things that that you know. We when I was young, we would sit and watch people eat and bet on whether they were going to finish their meal or not. And the loser, <laughs> loser had to buy our meal. You know, we would say, okay, well, she's got three ribs there. The girl weighs 140 pounds. She can eat all those ribs. And if you got it right, you had. If you got it right, the other person had to buy the meal. So I mean, I, I literally, I. During the course of my life, I have bet on all sorts of things. And the football, I mean, honestly, I've gotten really dialed in for these. And I pass these bets along to my to my clients and stuff. So, no, it's not not a lot in this particular game. But, yeah, I, I, I can write a book on, on stupid things to bet on over my life. Jack, anything else that you would advise, I think, maybe betters that look like valuable opportunities right now since we have this much longer to go before we actually get to the game? Yeah, I would say this. First of all, get signed up. You don't have to worry about all these things. Because ninety-nine bucks will get you all these these bets. I would say this: if you if you believe that it's going to go over, then go ahead and I would wait until the first part of next week to bet the total because I think it will continue to trend down. If you like under, you want to wait. It's it's going to trend down, and then it's going to go back up as we head toward game time. Same thing with the side. If you like Kansas City. You're going to go ahead and probably bet that. You're going to wait till it gets to two if and when it does. That's as good as you're going to get, maybe two and a half. If you're like Philly, I would wait. I do think the general public's going to file in super hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes, uh, so I would wait. So a little bit's a lot about timing. Go find out where the money's coming in. You don't get a lot of value this time of year for this particular game because there's so much money bet on it. These lines are very tight. It takes a lot to move them. They have, they're, they're right now they're overly exposed on Philadelphia. So if the game was played tomorrow, the house would need Kansas City in a big way. But that will even out. I mean, there's a ton of – most of the bets uh, that come in for this game won't even start trickling in until this time next week. So things will change between now and then. You want to get a little value in the line, then get out in front of that a little bit, see where those numbers are going, and then pick and choose your spot. Use time to your advantage, not a time to find, you know, who's going to score the first touchdown and put an extra 50 on that. 
Jack, we'll talk to you again next week, man. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great week. See you soon. All right. Bad Jack. Bad Jack Sports there. You like that? Betting on whether people will uh, finish yeah. the food or not. That's amazing. It, it, I mean, it's dedication. Like, you want to talk about foreshadowing of what a guy was going to do for a living. That's <laughs> Oh, pre- I know, right? That's pretty like, yeah, you were meant to do this, man. Absolutely. Well, Mark, what's the it, dumbest bet you've ever made? That's the thing. I, I don't gamble. Like, I'm really not a gambler. Uh, I have no issues with it. I, I, you know, I'm not opposed to it. I wish all of it was legal. Like it's, it's nothing about that at all. I don't enjoy it. And I've, you know, when I was previously married, she, the ex-wife, loved card games and gambling, and all that stuff. And I just, it's not the, the process isn't fun. I, I feel anxiety, not excitement. You know, about it and that sort of thing. Like I just, anytime I lose money, I can't live with it. Like I, because I, I immediately start thinking like I could have had this or that for what I just lost. And it just, uh, it's not something that I enjoy, so I don't do it very often. Yeah, I'm not really a, a huge gambler either. And, uh, well, as a Kentucky resident, I would never, ever partake in something Correct. that is illegal in in our precious commonwealth. So just the horses. Right. I, I think it's an abhorrent thought, and I'm disgusted that we're even talking about it. <laughs> We're an oasis of uh, righteousness here. Is that what you're saying? Yep. That's how. How great. That's how me and and my beliefs align on this particular topic. <laughs> Eighty-one fifty-nine-three-nine. That's uh, the number if you'd like to get in here. Thirty-eight thirty-one, ninety-three-nine for the UPS jobs text line. I don't. Uh, I don't have any. I, I don't have the same kind of issues. I guess with like a little bit of money for some of the the fun Super Bowl prop bets. I like those. They're fun. fun. Yeah, I I honestly think this matchup is such a... It's honestly a toss-up to me. I really... I lean Chiefs. I think the Eagles are a better all-around team. But something about this season has just felt like a... uh, Like an overall Chiefs response of... Yeah, Josh Allen's good. Joe Burrow's good. A bunch of these guys are good. They're just not Patrick Mahomes. And it's it's like this season is going to be a, I think the proverbial passing of the torch between Tom and Pat happened well before this. But now with Tom Brady officially retired, we think, for good. I think he is. I think he is too. But would there not be a better proverbial stamp on who all of this runs through now than Kansas City winning this thing? That that's how I look at it. Um, I do believe the Eagles have a better defense. I think it's another case where the Chiefs have the best player on both sides of the ball again. Yeah, I agree because yeah. Chris Jones was an absolute monster against the Bengals, and he very well could be Defensive Player of the Year. And Pat, you know, you could tell he he's laboring through some stuff, but he still makes some plays. Even with that ankle that you're like, this guy's just, he's not human. He's hes hes a special, special player. Like, there's a lot. Of, we, I think actually we're very fortunate now with the quarterback talent in the NFL. There's a lot of good guys. But you just, he's the best there is. And he has been for years. And it's, it, he, we can't really consider anybody else in the conversation with him for number one. Even That's all due respect to everybody else. he He's just different than the rest. Yeah, th- I think the AFC Championship game was a little bit of a 
kind of like a harsh reality reminder like oh because we, we built the chiefs up big time when they went to the AFC championship game then won the super bowl against the 49ers and they had a couple of years there where you know the bucks got them in the super bowl and then they got beat in the playoffs last year and it, it, that inevitability was sort of in question and we thought here come the Bengals and the bills and the afc west is going to be really hard and now here they are right back in the super bowl in fact right back in the super bowl after trading away Tariq hill uh, yeah. Year. Yeah. It, it, the AFC Championship game in particular felt like just kind of a a thud of a reminder like these guys really aren't going anywhere. And no. I'm, I'm afraid the Super Bowl will be the same way, except for one thing. You know, I don't think that the Chiefs have a great defense. No, but they you don't. mentioned they they have a player who ruins everything. You know, yeah. Chris Jones is is not blockable. And, and uh, Doug Farrar in USA Today has a great uh, sort of article and slash display, you know, of, of how he played and, and the way he ruins things without getting sacks just blows plays up uh, is is enough to really they don't need a locked in defense. In fact, that's not it really wouldn't even be fair if they had one, uh, but but they they get what they need out of it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I want this to be competitive. Obviously, I'm rooting for John Gannon, uh, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, who's a, a Louisville guy, uh, which I definitely always knew and never made fun of. Once. <laughs> uh, I I want it to be a great game, and I really don't care who wins either way. I feel like it's, it's win-win for me just as a fan. Uh, but I have a fear that it's going to look a lot like the AFC Championship game did. I will say there's a vast difference in that the Eagles offensive line is a lot better like a lot yeah, a better, lot better. Yes, than the Bengals. Right. They have some of the best linemen in the league between yeah. Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and, and Landon yeah. Dickerson. So it is a big challenge for Chris Jones and Frank Clark, guys who have pro- really produced for Kansas City. And if there is a difference that I think will push Philadelphia to a win, I think that their line has proven to be a huge one with that offense. Uh, and, and really, Philadelphia's approach to team building, I think, is pretty interesting, too, because they have been pretty aggressive with Howie Roseman the past couple of years in, in picking up high-profile guys while Jalen Hurts is on his rookie contract, and it it's worked. Uh, they've pretty much from the beginning of the year, when you saw them start to put it together, you're like, yeah, I think they absolutely could win it all. And this is one of those weird cases where I legitimately believe we got the two best teams in this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I feel terrible for the Niners because they just have some awful quarterback luck. I mean, awful. I, I've been on here a million times saying how much I love their roster, but there was no way they were going to be able to pull that game out with the situation they were put in. Like, they cannot catch a break with some quarterback health. Uh, but, man, if they ever do just, hey, can you just get through a whole season for us, whoever it is, they're going to have a good shot because they have so many good pieces. But that doesn't take away from Philly, who who's a hell of a team. We uh, had a text in just now in, uh, asking uh, for our thoughts on uh, the the Barstool video with, with Arian Foster where he talked about the script and the uh, and, and NFL being uh, being scripted. Uh, I, I Look, I, I don't want to be the guy to do this, uh, but – that guys, that was parody. Like that was that whole thing was a joke. It was what? really funny. Yeah, it, but it was very well done. But it, they, they're very clearly joking. It was uh, really good. But it was extremely well done and very funny. But it's a parody. It's you're they're making fun of uh, the the notion that 
that there are outcomes that are being engineered in these things. So you're telling uh, me 2015, when the Ravens were up 14 twice in Foxborough, that was not scripted? All right, this isn't funny anymore, Spencer. <laughs> I had to get the dig I in. didn't feel like you were capable of that, and now I'm really mad. Oh, I hated that game. I hated that. The Ravens secondary was guys off the street. Here's no. Here's how you know. Like, there's no better. There's no better argument against the notion that the NFL is scripted than the fact that the Cowboys don't win anything. Because right. if, <laughs> if they did, it, everyone would watch it. And yet, Tom Brady played in a 23-year career, and the Cowboys never made the NFC Championship game once in the entire career yep. uh, in, in the NFL. And my favorite stat that I have seen so far, in an ocean of Tom Brady stats that are all ridiculous, he did not take a single snap in a 23-year career mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, that's pretty insane. That's nuts, man. Not one. 15,000 or whatever it was uh, in his entire career. That is bonkers. Let's get that Benson in here real quick before we get to the top of the hour. Benson, welcome to the job. What's up, buddy? Hey, boys. How y'all doing? Good. Doing well. Good. I, I, Tyler, I just got to call you out on this. This Patrick Mahomes was. I, I mean, he couldn't even walk a week ago, and then he dances to the fans. I don't even see Wow, I don't think I understand what's happening here. Do you? Betts, I couldn't really hear you there, man. Do you, yeah. you want to, like, I don't know if you got to get closer to the phone or, or what's what's going on. I know, I know you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, but what are you coming at me for on that? Okay, oh, sorry. You hear me now? Sorry about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're good. Much better. Go ahead. Sorry about that. I, I just, Patrick Mahomes, you, you don't have a high ankle sprain and then dance around on the field when your team wins the game. It's just not how it works. And I, I, sorry, I'm a Bengals fan, so hmm. it's going to take a long time to get over that. So yeah, I hear you on that. I get it, man. It, hurt. Appreciate it sucks. The call. Yeah. I, uh, no, that one stings, man. I'm telling you. I know even after you, uh, after you break through and win one, I'm telling you, I cannot. i got to be the only person in America that hates Kurt Warner. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I cannot get over 2000. I cannot get over the NFC yeah, Championship I mean, game losing 11 It was scripted, Mark. I, well, that doesn't make me feel any better. I'm just saying, I know the Ravens avenged it in winning the next year, but like Billy Condiff and Lee Evans at Foxborough still burns to this day. I still remember watching it. Never it never goes away, buddy. It sucks. I know. Happy moment. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We'll take a quick break here. We'll be right back. I'm going to beat Spencer up during the break. On the drive, not the end of it. 